it's not more supplements, another smoothie, another yoga move. Look, all of those things are important. We've got to stay healthy. But the most important thing is how we relate to our fellow human beings. And who would have thought kindness actually helps us not only live longer, but live happier and more fulfilled? You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. The secret to the fountain of youth. Yes, there is one main thing that is the secret to drinking from the fountain of youth to give you not just a long life, but happy fulfilled, able-bodied, able-minded till you drop off the planet. And people have over the years said to me, dude, how do you do it? You look 10, sometimes people say 15 years younger than your chronological age. What's your secret? And I had no evidence 15, 20 years ago. People would say that, but I would say, My take on it is I just dig people. Uh, That sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's true. I just love connecting with people. When I'm in conversation, I like to make every conversation focused and almost like a meditation. And then a couple of years ago, I found a study that backed this up. And there are two, actually. One has been running since 1938 out of the university in America, Harvard. And there's a fantastic TED Talk by Robert Waldinger. Check it out on YouTube or the TED app. And he is the current curator and director of the study. And it really comes down to one main thing the quality of our relationships and what this study has shown over the years that those people who had the most nourishing, fulfilling and connected relationships had the longest years on the planet, but more than that, they enjoyed their lives. They were happy, healthier, less ailments. And even when they got unwell or sick, they recovered a lot better. Then I found an absolute cracker of a study. It was a meta-analysis, came out in 2010. Meta-analysis is when you get a whole group of studies together. 148 studies, 300,000 people across the globe, done over seven years. And what they found was there are 10 things that will give you a longer, happier, healthier life. And it's interesting because most people would, they would say to me, oh, the reason why you do look younger, act younger, you can do amazing stuff physically that we normally wouldn't expect a person to do. Like I turned 59 last week and I can still do stuff. Well, actually I'm stronger, faster and more mobile than I was when I was 20. So the interesting thing about all of this is that it doesn't cost us anything. And what this study showed was that even though the usual suspects of stay lean, eat healthy, don't smoke, drink minimally, 
don't live in a really polluted area, they were not the top two. The top two, well, number two was healthy relationships and not just a group of friends that you have an acquaintance with, but ones you really invested in. And what they found was that those who had these healthy relationships, it gave them a 50% boost in their quality of life plus years lived. But the number one is my absolute favorite because it's something when you get off this podcast and continue on your day, you can apply immediately. And it's called social integration. And what that really means is that you really deeply invested in those you communicate with. And my take on it is this, that you're present and genuinely and authentically really focused when you are relating to everyone you talk to, whether it's an acquaintance, whether it's a good friend, or whether it's someone you're just going to meet fleetingly. For example, a delivery guy. Instead of just grabbing the package and leaving, or when you order a coffee and you're just focused on scrolling through your phone on your emails, that you take that moment, make eye contact, and genuinely thank that person. And especially, I find this sometimes with delivery drivers, that often they can get treated pretty badly and people give them a hard time. And if you just say to them, hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. And it's amazing that just their face just lights up. And it's not just some hokey thing to do. It's really, really genuine because I've done plenty of menial jobs. And even up until 10 years ago, I was ousted from a position, a company I was working with, dedicated 15 years of my life to it. Unfortunately, the owner had Parkinson's, but he got the medication wrong, experimented with herbs and other things, and it turned him into a paranoid schizophrenic, turned on everyone. Five of us invested into the company, and he just embezzled everything and we lost everything. So at age 48, I walked away with my little doggy, some furniture and my clothes and had to move in with my mum. Massive humiliation. But here's the thing. It really, really humbled me. And I have a great appreciation for those people who are doing these jobs, which often people can be quite disregarding of. And The times where I was a delivery driver of ice, no, not the methamphetamine, bags of ice and having to walk through nightclubs and people spilling drinks on me and the owner of the company yelling at me because I didn't deliver things quickly enough. So those sort of times really, really, they embedded this humility of saying, well, I got through that, got back on my feet, got back into personal training long story short, basically it was a great life lesson and really helped me to understand what people are going through when they are, they hit rock bottom. We are so grateful for the feedback we get about this podcast on a weekly basis. It's literally changing lives. If you like any of these episodes or you just love the podcast, we would love it if you could share it with your friends. So number one, 
social integration, it actually gave people a 90% boost in the quality of life, the level of fulfillment, and also their years lived. So pretty cool, huh? Now, my mother, bless her soul, passed in 2017. She was an absolute fantastic example of this, that she'd be the sort of person where she'd walk into a party with, you know, 30, 50, even 100 people and walk out two hours later with 10 new friends. And she had this incredible way about her of just really, really connecting with people. And how many times that, especially when she passed, that people came up to me and said, you don't know me, but I knew your mother really well. And she really helped me get through some difficult times. She used to go down to her favorite cafe and she was like the, kind of like the gentle matriarch. She'd give people tough love when they needed it. Sort of chin up, don't be a sook. But people would just pour their hearts out to her and she just listened. And it it really comes down to, it's that old adage of, you know, one mouth, two ears, so listen more than you talk. But people would thank her for her presence and her advice. And often she said, I didn't really give them advice. I just listened to them. So that's one of the the big takeaways of what the fountain of youth is. It's not more supplements, another smoothie, another yoga move. Look, all of those things are important. We've got to stay healthy. But the most important thing is how we relate to our fellow human beings. And who would have thought kindness actually helps us not only live longer, but live happier and more fulfilled. So why does this happen? Because I asked the question, okay, scientifically, what happens in the body for us to live longer, get less ailments, and be happy and more fulfilled with better relationships? And it's quite simple. You see, when we're really present with someone, then we're not concerned about ourselves. So our concerns, our worries, our stresses get put in the background. And so stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, these sort of things decrease. So the more time you spend on connecting with others, the lower your stress hormones are going to be. Now, those stress hormones are very important at times where we need that fight or flight. but The 21st century life is causing us to have those hormones in our system far too long. And often I see this when people wake up at two, three in the morning, come back, get back to sleep because we get a cortisol spike first thing in the morning and mid-afternoon about two o'clock. So a person's cortisol spikes way too soon and then they can't get back to sleep. And I had an interesting example of this with a client recently where she said to me, I've got really, really sore shoulders and I'd like you to adjust our program. I said, no problem. First, let's see what's going on. So what do you think's happening? And she said, well, I've had it in the past, it's bursitis and my doctor gave me cortisone injections and it disappeared. I went, okay, so what's the cause? She said, bursitis. I went, mm-mm. That's a symptom. Bursitis is, if you don't know, there are fluid-filled sacs around our joints and they help the smooth running of all of the structures. And when these structures are dysfunctional and start banging up against each other, 
then there is inflammation. These bursa get inflamed. So I said to her, so that's, that's a symptom. What's the cause? I don't know. She said, I don't know. I said, okay, when did this start? She said, two weeks ago. All right. What happened two weeks ago? Cut a very long story short. What we were able to discover together was she had organized her and her husband to go on this beautiful romantic getaway. And one of her good friends said, oh, you're so lucky. We'd love such a holiday, but we can't afford it. So my client said, oh, that's okay. You can stay with us. We've got a two-bedroom apartment overlooking the water. And then she just got so angry with herself. It's like, ah, I did it again. She's classic overgiver. And she said, I felt really bad because my husband, he was all nice about it, but he could see he was like, really? I just wanted the two of us. And what she'd done is she'd been so angry with herself that her upper trapezius muscles had come on really strong. She was grinding her teeth at night and she hadn't seen that she had been so hard on herself that she'd put herself in this flexion protection posture. So how does all this relate to the fountain of youth? Well, I'm speaking about social integration and relationships with people, but there's a caveat. There needs to be a sense of boundaries. And Brené Brown spoke about the fact that in her research, the most wholehearted people And these are the people who love what they do, have great relationships, and also don't identify with the material world above their inner world, meaning they don't say, okay, I am my job. It's, I provide a service, whatever I do, but I'm not identified with that's who I am. And she said that wholehearted people had the best boundaries on the planet, which kind of makes sense because if you're overgiving, giving, giving, it's like, when you see a mother constantly giving to her children to the point where she has nothing left and then she can't help her children because she gets sick and unwell. So those sort of examples. So coming back to the point about social integration, something that just practice it. Sometimes it can be a little bit confronting. When I say look a person in the eye, I'm not saying gaze in their eyes, but just make a note, notice the color of their eyes. And I still do this to this day because I think, okay, what's the color of that person's eyes that I see every day? And I think, wow, I haven't taken notice. So it's a good measuring stick. Now, I spoke also about a sense of fulfillment. And Viktor Frankl, as you may know, his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he has this wonderful thing that he said. And it's all based on dedication to a higher cause, not being so self-centered. Because we spoke about wholehearted people, but you don't want the boundaries to be a point where you're not going to let people in. So Viktor Frankl said this, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself. It is such 
a gem, that one. And I see it over and over. And one amazing performer who embodied this, Stevie Wonder. And he said, the day I truly put other people first, as in when I played my music, that my aim was to bring joy into the lives of others, that's when my music really, really took off. And so rather than focusing on, I must be a performer, people must like me, then buy my music, he changed that. And he said that was the turning point. And not all of us, of course, are going to be megastars, but there's another thing that really feeds into drinking from the fountain of youth. Like what Viktor Frankl said with regard to dedication to a higher cause, regardless what your station in life, what you're doing, that you do it wholeheartedly. And Martin Luther King, he said this, and I, this I really thought about when I was delivering bags of frozen water to nightclubs, etc. And I thought I could be angry and resentful and hate this my full $22 an hour at age 48 when I was earning a lot more. But I thought, no. And I saw this quote and it so spoke to me. And it is this. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. People often ask me as a personal trainer, it's like, don't you get bored? And if I was just a rep counter and form corrector, hell yeah, be bored out of my brains. Just the same old, same old every day, but it's not because every single person that I train I focus on, and people say when they look from the outside, it's like you've created a bubble that no one can enter. And I do that consciously because you're standing in a gym watching a person doing exercise, looking from the outside, it's like, oh my God, that would be boring. But it's not because I take people through visualizations, even when I see a person who has come in really fatigued or very frustrated, having a really hard time, I will hold space for them and actually ask for light to be poured into this person and truly, truly connect to them. And so each exercise, a lot of my clients don't know, but it's like, it's like this meditation. And so the, the movement is almost secondary. And so whatever your job is, there's not going to be the greatest moments in any job. They're going to be the mundane things. And well, you know, AI is going to start to replace so, some of those. But until then, just being able to have that heart-centered dedication that Martin Luther spoke of, watch what happens to not only how you feel, but how other people respond to you. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, Check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com.au where you will find freebies, programs and more. Next is the hormone oxytocin, which is often caused 
called the love hormone. And it's very much associated with, especially mother and child, that oxytocin gets released when the birth is about to occur and it helps contraction of the whole area. And little baby's born, but also helps a woman really connect to her child because women have told me that sometimes you start to feel, even though you've got this amazing human being in your stomach, the nausea, the constant going to the toilet, seeing your body change. And especially if you've already had a child and you think, wow, you, you wrecked my body, my breasts are gone, I've got stretch marks. And she said, you can start to feel quite resentful of what this child has, quote unquote, done to you. And oxytocin, it's an amazing nature, just mother nature thinks of everything. Oxytocin actually helps a mother connect to her child. And we look at things like postpartum depression and some unthinking people have said, oh, well, you know, just get over it. But what people don't understand is a child being, a childbirth can actually be incredibly traumatic and thus adrenaline, cortisol go up and it can actually cause clinical depression. And clinical depression is measured in the brain when too much cortisol actually starts to erode away or take away brain tissue, especially the memory center, the hippocampus. So there's a big difference between depression and just feeling sad. As Harvard University professor Robert Sapolsky says, there's a very clear, very clear delineation. And he said, all depression, not just feeling sad, but depression where you don't want to connect with others. You find it hard to get out of bed. You've lost your sense of purpose. And you imagine how devastating that would be for a mother to say, here's this beautiful, beautiful little baby and I can't connect. So oxytocin is released to help the mother connect to her child. But if it has been incredibly traumatic, especially physically and emotionally, then it's important for us to rally around that woman, not make judgments, but to help her as much as we can because, well, they're bringing the future, don't they? So oxytocin is rather, rather magical. And I did a bit of research on it because I saw this one interesting study where they found that by injecting oxytocin into rats, poor little rats, they cop a bit, don't they? They found that the sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle as we age, was eradicated. That the, they had young mice and old mice, and they injected the old mice with oxytocin. And they found that the old mice regained all of their muscle back exactly the same as the young mice. So I know a lot of you are saying, hey, where can I get some of this stuff? And there, has, there is a medication where it's done as a nasal spray, but it's not just that sort of like, oh, well, I'll spray some up my nose and feel happier and connected to everyone and just more joyful in life because the body's more nuanced and complex than that. You can't just throw a hormone in and it'll totally work. So you can talk to your GP about it, but it's not something that you can just take and it'll all be hunky-dory. But my point in talking about it is that oxytocin has all these incredible benefits. And how do we get oxytocin? 
Well, one very simple way is what I spoke about before, connection. So you can imagine if you connect with every person you relate to, and especially those with whom you're close, and having a real hug, and I mean a real hug, not just like, hi, yeah, air kiss, pat on the back, but sink into it. And it's amazing how good a person feels. And I'm a hugger. And when people first go to pull away, I'm like, relax, it's no rush. And sink into that hug. And it's not a romantic thing. It's not a sexual thing. You know, I do this with guys, women, and of course, dogs. Love a good dog cuddle. And all of those examples, oxytocin is released. So if you want more muscle, then really, really connect with people. And it's really interesting. I thought, this oxytocin hormone, let's look into it more. And what I found was fascinating, that when they did studies on giving people nasal spray of oxytocin, it increased their fat metabolism and decreased visceral and liver fat, pretty cool, decreased hunger, decreased cortisol, increased insulin sensitivity, so you process your sugars better, and increased vagal tone. Vagal tone means that the health of your vagus nerve, which is the main parasympathetic rest, digest, and connection nerve. And they found in one study that people who were clinically obese lost nine kilos of body fat over eight weeks. So before, once again, before you rush out and say, GP, I want some. Longevity is not about the quick fix. Longevity is what you do every single day. There's a fantastic Netflix special that has just come on about the blue zones. Check it out. And you'll see that the main theme that runs through all of these communities in Sardinia, in Okinawa, in California, the main theme is always the same. It's how people really relate and having close personal relationships. So they also found that there are really low levels of oxytocin in women with anorexia nervosa. So what does that tell us? Like all of this, the decrease in obesity, but those with this unfortunate eating disorder, they have low levels. And I'll use an example. person with anorexia clearly has been incredibly traumatized and they want nothing to do with close connection. Why? Because at some point, that close connection caused them harm. And one example is Hugh Van Kylenberg's sister, Olivia. He spoke about this in his wonderful book, The Resilience Project. I urge you to listen to it. Don't just read it, but listen to it because he's a fantastic narrator and he's such a character. And what he found was that, well, he tells tells a story about one day he said, my sister Olivia just stopped eating to the point where she was hospitalized and it was was devastating for the family. And no one knew why. She went to psychologists. They asked the question, how's your childhood? She said, yeah, fine. Cut a long story short. She found years later, when she was about 25, that she, with, with the help of a 
an amazing mental health professional, helped open a door, a repressed memory, where she had been horrendously assaulted. And Hugh remembers the day. He was five and Olivia was three, I think. And a man came to the back gate and said, hey, I know your parents, walked in, walked past you, grabbed Olivia, took her around the back of the house and assaulted her. But not only assaulted her, Olivia said, I remember what he said. He said, if you tell your parents they won't love you anymore. Now, if you haven't heard that story before, part of you would think, oh my God, that man should be hung, drawn and quartered. This is where we are all challenged, even though we do not excuse such vile, horrendous behavior. But as any good mental health professional will tell you, a person who is an abuser, 99% of the time they've been abused. And Olivia, she lived this beautifully. People said, don't you hate him? Don't you resent him? Don't you want him dead? She goes, well, he's already died. But no, no, because even though horrendous as it was, I now are able to help so many other women because that's the, where she's, she's heading into that, that area because I understand them and I can take them through it. And also to kind of say a prayer for this man because for a grown man to act in such a heinous way to an innocent little child, then something has poisoned his soul. So as I said, we don't excuse this sort of behavior. And for us to hold anger, resentment, and hatred only harms us. So in our day-to-day life, hopefully we never come across this sort of evil. But one example that I use a lot is whenever I get annoyed, frustrated, angry with someone, I think, okay, I can identify with this and feel bad, or I can look to connect. Simple example, someone pulls out on you, you have to slam on the brakes, you're running late for an appointment. And the first thought is, dickhead, blah, blah, blah. But instead, take a moment, say, hey, where have I done this in my lifetime? Where I haven't seen someone or I miscalculated the traffic and pulled out and they had to slam on their brakes. Otherwise, it would have been an accident. So I always look to connect with that person to say, where have I acted in the same way or a similar way? And also to say, how do I know that this person hasn't just had the worst day of their life, then maybe they got news that their child who had cancer is gone back in a hospital and they might lose them soon. Maybe they had a huge financial loss. Maybe they're feeling terribly, terribly unwell, a myriad of reasons. And so just to say to that person, hey, all good. If something bad is going on in your life, I hope it all works out. Now, it could be that this person's just a selfish git and doesn't care. But it doesn't matter because what it's about is how you respond. So if you respond in a way or react in a negative way, cortisol, adrenaline are going to be up, oxytocin is gone. So try it and I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised at when instead of the knee-jerk reaction of anger, remember anger is always about either where some your you have perceived or it actually has happened that someone's taken something from you. And I was talking with a friend the other day who was really angry about something and was saying, you know, I don't, I really want to have a go at uh, this 
group of people for what they're doing. And I said, okay, do you want to give it a day? And then even look to tomorrow and say, if I go and react in anger and give these people an earful, will I be proud of my behavior tomorrow? And he said, oh, good point. And someone taught me that a long time ago and I thought it's an absolute gem. So at times we will react, but if you, you get better at it, and that's the wonderful thing about neuroplasticity, because neuroplasticity is, neuroplasticity is neither good nor bad, and it's just basically how our brain develops depending on the stimulus and the environment. So the more you practice this connection with others, rather than disconnect to get angry, frustrated, annoyed, then you'll get better and better and better at where then it becomes your default. And you'll be like a walking Buddha. And I remind myself, it's like, no, be Buddha. If you really love this podcast, go ahead and leave us a really positive review. We get so much feedback every week about how much people love the episodes. So if you love it too, please go ahead and give us a review. And looking at that, the next thing about longevity is it's a don't. And it's a don't be a victim. And all of us, I've yet to see anyone who hasn't played victim at certain points. And how do you know you're playing victim? Blame. If you blame someone else for something that you're not happy with, and as soon as you go into victim, you've lost control, you've disconnected, and you're never going to feel empowered. But instead of take back that control and my bestie and podcast partner, Tink, taught me this really, really well about this whole concept of radical self-responsibility. And when you have that level of self-responsibility, say, yeah, I'm angry, I'm annoyed, this person's done something, I can get stuck in the maze of blame and go round and round and round, or I can just change my approach, send that person good vibes, light, and then give myself a day or longer to make a decision to act in a way that I know that I can look back tomorrow, a week, a year and say, yes, I'm proud of my behavior. So a few more little tips. We know that, and it's unrefuted, that social relationships holding space for others and connection is the key to the fountain of youth. Of course, doesn't mean that you can smoke, drink excessively, eat unhealthy food and not exercise and you still live long. And that's the interesting thing because what I find those who live longer naturally eat healthier, get exercise and not just get it, they enjoy it and they don't smoke and their drinking is minimal because they don't need anything to numb their emotions. So the concept of health is very much intertwined with relationship, but it's a relationship with yourself. And I remember when I was first in my first year in university and I was looking at this whole health and fitness thing and I thought, you know what? But it just came to me that get your inner world right and your outer world will look after itself. Yes, we still need guidance on right exercise, foods, supplements if you need it. But that being said, when 
you're looking after your inner world with some of the things I've spoken about, like making that choice to connect rather than disconnect and really working on things that you are not proud of, your behavior or your thoughts, your feelings, things you want to improve in yourself, then the natural byproduct is better food and enjoying exercise. Now, the thing about exercise, it's an interesting one because people have said, how, how often should I exercise so I can stay healthy and fit? I said, every day. It's like, what? What do you mean every day? I said, let's put it into context. Before the Industrial Revolution, you know, 200 years ago, we had to be physical. We had to do exercise to survive, you know, chop wood, carry water, hunt for our food. We had to be physical. And there's a, there's a Buddhist saying, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So our need to be physical comes from our survival. Now, of course, 21st century, we could live inside our apartment or house and never have to go outside, never have to be physical. We can have everything delivered to us. And we can see that people are becoming more and more and more sedentary. Recently read from the Global Wellness Institute that 80% of children are inactive. I nearly fell over. I'm like, what? What is going on? And I assume most people listening are adults. And the whole thing about exercise is, and I'll come back to what I said before, is how often we, should, we need to exercise. When a person says to me, nah, I hate exercise, just don't like doing it, I said, when did that change? I was like, nah, I've always hated it. It's like, go back as far as you can as a little kid because I've yet to see a little kid not want to run around and play or at the very least be active and, and play even though it's not so physical. So something has happened to steer you away from wanting to be physical because our natural hormonal system gives us a boost every time we exercise. And some people say, oh yeah, well you get your endorphin rush, etc." But let's come back to our survival as a species. Mother nature is super clever. So we get this dopamine rush, which helps motivate us to move. Then the serotonin after. And if we exercise with others, and support each other, we get oxytocin as well. So that was all to do with survival of the species. Think about it, 200,000 years ago, whenever, and it was freezing cold and you had to schlep out in the woods, chop trees down, bring them back and come back inside or you wouldn't eat. You wouldn't be able to cook your food, etc. So with exercise, it's in our DNA to want to do it and love it. So if you hate gyms, understand, but to find something that you love to do, find a song. Like I've yet to find anyone. Often I'll go out skating and I just have a speaker attached to my belt. And there are certain tracks that just light people up. Anything by the BGs, you know, like Staying Alive, that sort of stuff, Earth, Wind and Fire, anything that's really, really just uplifting. And people naturally move. So get some music, even if you just do it at home. Get some music and start and just listen to that music and feel into what your body would like to do. And you'll be amazed, you know, where your body will just want to move to the beat. It's our natural thing. It's like 
matches our heartbeat. So, so important that, and I, I, I see people who are just saying, yeah, I just don't want to exercise. And I know that they're going to feel worse, feel sluggish. It's going to affect how they feel and how they think. So give that one a crack. Now, some other tips. If you have a look at the blue zones, as you can research it on the internet or have a look at this Netflix special, and I've seen this over and over and over again, that people over 60, 70, 80 that are doing really well, they are so playful, playful and cheeky. So those of you that do work out, and especially in a gym, the times where you're finding your motivation lagging and you're feeling a bit bored with what you're doing, if you approach your workouts with the curiosity and playfulness of a child, watch what happens. It's, you'll be amazed at how you're stronger, more mobile, better on your cardio, all that sort of thing. Why? Because you're not all adulty serious and tense. The other thing, or the last thing I'll talk about regarding longevity is what we ingest. And a lot of people don't know the dangers of microplastics. Dr. Shana Schwann, who's written a book called Extinction. She's been researching this for some time. And she basically, distilling all of her research down, she said what's happened is that it's affecting our hormones so badly, and especially men, that a boy born today has half the sperm count of his grandfather. And also, not only is that pointing to lower testosterone levels, and anyone who has had low testosterone levels will vouch for the fact that it sucks. It happened to me last year. My testosterone level was like two. Well, it was two. It means I was running on the fumes of it. The GP actually said to me, how are you even walking? It was just sheer force of will. Whole other story, it was due to a genetic disorder that I have hemochromatosis and it really sucks at the uh, testosterone out of you. So got the testosterone therapy, dropped the alcohol completely, apart from a drink every now and again, and testosterone levels back up and I feel like the best I have in my whole life. So coming back to what it's doing to boys. So the actually, the really crappy part also that Dr. Schwann said that little boys' genitals are actually now smaller. And if you want to know how she measured it, listen to her uh, Joe Rogan podcast. She goes into great detail. But in essence, it's this. Plastics are super, super bad for us. They mimic other hormones like estrogen and so can make a boy into literal soft willy. For women, there are other toxic effects. So how do we decrease our plastic intake? A, do your best not to have single-use water bottles. Never, ever, 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 ever microwave something, even in Tupperware. Make sure it's in ceramic. I don't like microwaves. Various naturopaths have told me that it actually destroys the cell wall and the body doesn't recognize it as food. You can do your own research, but I don't like them. Also, little things like when you get a coffee, have a keep cup, have a 
metal, glass or ceramic keep cup because you're going to get plastics out of those cups. And even worse, when you drink out of the top of the coffee cup and it's that plastic, see heat then causes more of that plastic to be released and go in your gullet and into your bloodstream, your brain and everything else. And I did read a study that showed that they measured microplastics in people and they said people who eat out more than four times a week have 30% more microplastics in their system. So that's what I can put it down to having lived with a chef and seeing how she stores the food, everything's done in plastic. So what I recommend you do is a keep cup, no single use water bottles. And also, even though you and, and um, try and avoid any plastics at all, because even if they say it's BPA free, I still don't trust it. But you see some of these water bottles that are stainless steel, which are great, but then it has a plastic straw. Oh, which reminds me, plastic straws run, don't walk away from them. They are poison. So interesting studies showed that there is only one safe drinking straw, and that is metal. All other straws, even plastic, even uh, paper ones, paper ones, people absorb more of that particulate matter than a plastic straw. So don't use straws. They're poison. Sorry, straw companies, but hey, is what it is. So the other thing is, and to conclude on the nourishment part, is where you do get your food. And this comes down to this whole concept of looking after yourself, looking after your inner world first, making decisions to nourish yourself mentally and then also physically. So I hope all of that information helped as, you know, we all want to live a full life. I said many years ago that I'm living to 120. Everyone listening, you're all invited to my 120th birthday. And then I'll have a great party and wake up dead. And of course, people said, oh my God, no, I don't want that. That is way too old. And I said, no, able-bodied, able-minded. So if you take one thing out of this, that health, happiness, long life come from connection, both with your own inner being and especially with those with whom you relate each day to day. Hope this helps. And oh yeah, just let you know, The lovely and sparkly Tinkerbell has taken a wee break down to Tasmania and I've heard that's where Tinkerbell type fairies need to go and rejuvenate their magic. So she'll be back and we'll have more chat soon. If you love this podcast, give us five stars and we'll love you right back. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised and pain-free life as you age? then jump into our website at agerebels.com.au. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution.